the book of Hebrews is a great book. Uh, in chapter 2, uh, they're speaking to a church that's in persecution. They're going through some hard times. So we pick it up. He says, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. The word slip is a nautical term. It means to moor. You'll lose your mooring, what you're tied to, or lose your grip. So if you know anything about ships, I'll tell you a little bit when I start. The second verse, he says, For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression of disobedience received its just reward, in other words, there's no pass. In other words, God's going to judge sin, whether you're a believer, you're saved or not. And we'll further explore this. He said, then how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first being spoken by the Lord was confirmed unto us for those who heard them? So the word of God has been passed for 10,000 years. Prophets, angels, prophets, and the apostles, and so forth. And the word was validated. In other words, it's given. It's the word of God, and it does not change. And as sure as it was then, is now, and will be, Jesus said every jot and tittle would be preserved. So as we look at this, I want to give you background. Uh, my son has a boat, and they love it. I was in the Navy. And that boat was big enough for me. Uh, I like being on the water, but not in it. Okay, so, and, and I was always amazed. I was on a little destroyer. And I was always amazed. I was a cook, can you tell? Yeah, I wear it well, amen. And uh, we would always watch them moor the ship. And the ropes are huge, and there's a real art to that. And I'm sure you're aware that any boat, any nautical ship, boat, when it gets into port or where it's going to be parked, you need to tie it to a cleat, moor it, tie it so it doesn't move. And without that, you run the risk of it being led by the wind, waves, and your, your boat will no longer be where it was. That's why you have anchors and so forth. Well, this nautical term is being applied to the church. And beginning with just a brief introduction, when something is adrift in the water, it's dangerously out of control being at the mercy of the wind and the tide. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen hurricanes and storms and, and, and ships out at sea, uh, but if you don't have a means to steer and stabilize, and then when the ship, no ship or boat ever drifted into port because you're not in control. 
the ship is steered and powered. Sometimes you have to start up the engine and move it to one way or the other. You take the rudder and it's a real art. So marine vessels have to have proper way to navigate through storms, in and out of port, and, and other necessities by way of navigating safely. So in this passage, it's speaking of our lives being moored to the truths were spoken by God, the prophets, the apostles, and those who shared with them. So I want to ask you a question because the word neglect comes up just a little bit later. But what are the consequences of neglect? If you neglect your uh, taking care of your heater in your home, eventually it's going to break. And if you don't maintain it, you may have to replace it. Uh, marriages. The reason why many marriages in America are broke is because the vital parts of marriage are neglected. You know, I pastored 25 years. It amazed me. People I, I married are so much in love. And two years later, all of a sudden, uh, irresolvable difference. So, okay, what's that mean? And when you probe, you find that whatever we neglect, I'll give you the definition, failure to take care of something, also the void of maintenance, uh, denied the proper consideration for upkeep. So we could think of our homes, we could think of everything, but this text speaks directly to our relationship with Christ, what we've been taught what we've clung to, what we believe, what has guided us from here to there, then and now, and then into the future. And we can ask ourselves the same questions. We are living in a volatile, volatile time in America. And there's a lot of division and uncertainty. And there are a lot of people who are frightened, and we'll say they're on the left. There are other people who are unaware you know, they're oblivious. They just, hey, things are good. We're just going to blend over here. And then you got everybody else in the middle. And we have been taught over the years that if you get saved, you know the Lord, you won't have any problems. Have you figured that one out yet? Everybody in the Bible had problems. From Adam all the way through, the prophets, and uh, Jesus had a few problems, right? Does that mean his faith was weak or, you know, we have these doctrines that are taught to confuse people. And when something happens, uh, I, I'm going to say this up front, okay, good things just don't happen to people. When you do good things, you beget good things. And if you neglect God and you neglect prayer, you neglect praying, you neglect coming to church, you neglect to practice the disciplines that God says in his word are necessary to maintain good relationships, well, you're slipping. You have no control. And the scriptures teach 
uh, as a mariner would not fail to guide his boat or ship, steer it, power it, and then guide it into port so it doesn't uh, crash into something or hurt somebody, then the scriptures say, Ephesians 5.18, be not drunk with wine in excess, but be filled with the Spirit of God. Now, what it, the, the metaphor here is don't let something control you other than the Spirit of God. Amen? <laughs> Thank you. So I want God to control my life, lead my life, and when he sees fit, bless my life, and even when I'm out of order, uh, Hebrews teaches, as does the Old Testament, he chastens us as a father does his child. You know, when we then live unto ourselves, we drift away from God. And it, it takes a while, it doesn't just happen, but neglect causes us to drift as we drift, we drift away from marriage or maintenance or church or, and we let things interrupt our lives instead of dealing with things and properly prioritizing things so we don't slip and we don't get off course. Because I don't know about you, but when I've gotten off course in my life, it's tough to get back. It's easier to maintain and keep the course. But when you, well, when you let things slip, I used to do a lot of counseling when I was pastoring, and I asked them, how did this happen? We don't know. And I'd say seven out of ten people, how did we get it? We don't know. Well, it didn't just happen. Okay, when people come for help, they want you in one session to take care of what it took seven, eight years to build or otherwise. So the stress here is when believers lose their moorings uh, to the Lord, reading the Bible, praying, going to church, uh, even Christian service. You know, we have a great church here and the appeal from the pulpit at times is we need your help. We need your help. And I know when I, when I have my churches, you know, a, a handful of people, you know, a small carry the whole. And I never did understand that because if the church benefits us, you want to make sure it's what it needs to be, doing what it's supposed to do, and it's there for us. It's our refuge, the Lord uses the church and Christ is the head of that church so when believers lose their mooring the consequences are not good and it's a costly process because we drift into what's called carnality we stop living for the Lord we start living for it's all about me and if you're married, if you're married and you live for yourself, you won't be married long or you won't be happy. Uh, why? Who gets married 
and don't want to share a relationship or be cared for. I had a young person say, Mr. Rafa, how do you be married at that time? It's 50 years. They say marriages are dissolving every day. How can you be with one person for 50 years? I said, well, that's a pretty easy answer. And he said, what is it? I said, I don't live for myself. I live for my wife. And he says, how do you do that? I says, if I could live for the Lord and give my will to the Lord, then I don't have me to get in the way. I could love her as Jesus said I should. I could love my neighbor as I should. And I think a lot of people say, well, how's the Lord expect me to do these things? You can't. But in him, you can. Because he does it through you and for you. So the moorings to the biblical teaching are vital to a spiritual life, a growing and maturing in Christ. So in this, then, I thought it would be necessary because when we neglect what we're supposed to do, it's like the sin of omission. Omission. Not doing what you should do. And you have sins of commission. Doing things you know you shouldn't do. And in James 4.17, it kind of clarifies it. Uh, he says, for him to know the do right and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Now, I found that very interesting because it says, for him it is sin. So that means if you know and don't do, it's sin. And if a person doesn't know and don't do, it's not really mentioned that it's sin, but they should know. Ignorance is not bliss in your relationships. So, in this, I, I heard a lot coming through many years of ministry. They say, Pastor, it's easier to ask for forgiveness than permission. I said, that don't sound right. I said, I have to give it some thought. And what we choose to do is what's wrong. And then we're quick to say, at least I got my way. And I'm sorry. There's something wrong with that. See, we're omitting doing what God said, or we're afraid we're not going to get our way, so we skirt it to get our way. Can you give me a verse for that? It's God's will. Remember, Jesus always said, not my will, but the Father's will. Not my will, but his will. And what the Bible teaches is, when we get saved, we need to get our will broke. It's not my will, it's his. And that's the way to grow. That's how you keep your moorings. That's how you keep your convictions. That's how you save your marriage. That's how you prepare for ministry and Christian service. You do God's work, God's will, God's way for God's glory. Amen? <laughs> Thank you. So these folks were losing touch with that. So the charge is... The carnal Christian is characterized by 
neglect. When we like, we say, well, I used to read the Bible every morning before I do whatever. I got away from that for some reason. Well, we let something interrupt our lives and we never got back to what we did to keep us where we were. Like prayer. People say, yeah, it's really hard to pray. How many of you eat three times a day? Yeah, thank you. How many go to sleep at night? That's ridiculous, right? But I pray when I get up in the morning. I pray at breakfast. I pray at lunch. I pray when I go to bed. Now you say, well, gee whiz, what do you pray about? Well, there's a method to that. Maybe if I get another chance to teach, I'll teach you about that. But the point is, prayer is communication with God. That's like me and my wife every day. Every day we talk, we communicate, we discuss, we don't argue. We don't confront each other. We create dialogue, confrontation, somebody's got to lose, amen? How many like to lose? I don't either. It's dialogue. So when we get away from God, okay, we need to be reminded the first word, verse 1, is to listen. That's the message. Listen. When God speaks, listen. When Pastor Tony speaks, listen. When Pastor Dave speaks, listen. Take notes. Because I can't remember everything. I take notes. Nice thing here, they give you notes up here so you could go back and get it. But if we don't listen, you know the difference between listening and hearing? Okay, I was a substitute teacher for 12 years and I had to explain that to my classes. Okay, did you ever tell your kids, did you hear what I said? Yes. And what they don't say is, but I don't intend to do it. You already know that because they're not. Listening means that we listen to what is said so we can do what was said. That's listening. So with these folks is they lost, they just lost their appetite for spiritual things and developed appetites for other things. And the consequences were bad choices cause bad things. You know, one of the popular songs a while back by, uh, oh, what's that woman? Uh, Carrie Underwood? Remember her song, Jesus Take the Wheel? People like that song, but it's really not biblical. What are you doing driving? See, Jesus should be the pilot. You should be the co-pilot. But somehow, I kind of flipped that for some reason. So these folks lost the concept of listening. Truth, write this down. Truth lived is truth learned. Truth lived. I've met a lot of people tell me how spiritual they are, how they've grown. Well, show me. Don't tell me. You know, how you live speaks louder than what you say. So if we're given as these folks once were, and they just kind of lost it along the way through persecution, and other reasons they began to neglect 
what brought them to that relationship with Jesus Christ. So the verse, therefore we ought to give more earnestly the heed to things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip or we lose our grasp or we lose our mooring. So I have several things here I'm going to note. Okay? Moor yourself to truth. In other words, hold on to truth. It's principles that are fitting to our Christian faith. Listen carefully to know and recognize error or false teaching. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And what he's saying is if you know it's right, then you'll know it's wrong. Amen? Yeah. But if you're not in the word, uh, you're more vulnerable. Okay? Number two, don't lose your bearings. Like a boat away from port without awareness of location and destination. It reminds me of the, I come across this years ago. Uh, how many of you ever have flown in a plane? Uh, I, I flew most of the time with Southwest. And as you're in flight, uh, this is, this is uh, an illustration about losing your bearings. Did you ever hear when it says, ding, ding, this is your captain speaking? And it's like him saying, I've got great news for you. We're ahead of schedule. Yes. But the bad news is, I don't know where we're going. That's a lot of people today. I don't know about you, but I'm going down the road 60 miles an hour. A guy blows past me at 80 miles an hour, and I wave to him at the light. Where are you going? And everyone you speak to today is busy. We have more conveniences today than we ever had, but everybody's busy, 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 busy. And sometimes I like to say, doing what? But that's how we lose touch. That's how we get away from God. We get into habits, routines, and uh, rather than staying the course, sometimes we let it slip. And other consequences, let the compass be your guide, the compass, the Word of God. You know, how many have ever heard the verse, faith comes by hearing? Well, I always used to tell the folks in my church, faith comes by hearing whoever you listen to. You watch the news every night, I don't know whether they're telling the truth or not, okay? But I'd rather believe what God says than what any man says. And I don't know about you, but I was told the folks in my ministry, I said, be the Bereans. Test everything I say. I'll give you chapter, verse. I'll even explain it to you. And that's why we should take notes. We should study to show ourselves approved. Why? So we don't lose our grip in our Christian lives. So, finally, in first, finally for the first point, I'm not letting you off that easy. We still have some time. Um, 1 Timothy 1, uh, 19 and 20. Remember Hymenius and Alexander? Paul said they were shipwrecked. Well, what they did 
is they, they went their way, disregarded God's way, went their way, and ended up, well, in a, in a mess. So who would you believe over God? Uh, the way, the truth, and the life? So we need to listen to what God has to say about our lives. Don't claim ignorance. Study to show thyself approved. A workman that needeth not be ashamed to rightly handle, live out, or deal with the truth. Amen? First word, listen. Second word, verse 2. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received just reward. Hmm. In other words, God's going to judge sin. So, it's better to obey than sacrifice. Amen? Amen. It, it is. Because we didn't, Adam didn't obey, and something had to die. And that's why Romans 6.23 said, for the wage of sin is death. Because of our sin, Christ died on the cross. So sin is, wherever you see sin, you lose something. The wage of sin is death. The wage of sin cost you something. And when we sin against people we say we love and we're going to minister to or whatever, um, it's tough to get back, right? So what the Bible teaches is it's better to obey than disobey and need to sacrifice to get right with God again. I, I don't like arguing with my wife. When I was a young man, we used to go at it. And what I learned, I said, I won, but I really lost because, you know, you never win an argument with your wife. At least I never did. But she would share with me and say, listen, can't we avoid this? And then we studied the scriptures together, and I began to realize that, you know what? If I live for her, I'll be in good standing all the time. Amen? Yeah. He said, well, what about you? Every time I get my way, well, not every time, but many times, it's at the neglect of something that maybe I should have or could have done. So we work together, and I kind of serve God that way. Okay? I, I just am obsessed with his will, because I don't want to get out of standing with God. I love him. So... Obey is the second word. Listen, verse 1. Obey, verse 2. And what he's saying, you know, the message of truth is authenticated. Okay, in 2 Timothy 2.19, uh, he believes when the Lord departs from immorality and evil, and that's repentance. You know what repentance is, right? If I name the name of Christ and I'm living my life this way. Repentance is a change of direction. I no longer live for myself. I live for him. It keeps me out of trouble. Amen? 
So if we name the name of Christ, 2 Timothy, uh, 2 Timothy, where is it here? 2.19. If we name the name of Christ and we depart, iniquity, and we depart from evil, here's Tony Rafa's definition for evil. That which is contrary to God. Amen, that's a good one, isn't it? If it's contrary to God, it's evil. Amen? <laughs> All right, thank you. So as we look at this, obey, then we shouldn't be defiant against or transgress what God said. It's called stepping over the line deliberately. There it is. There's the line. And God says, don't. Okay, Lord. Don't. Oops. Oh, I'm sorry, Lord. Well, why were you so close to the line? I used to deal with my kids this way. Well, I didn't mean it. Yeah, you did because you were flirting with that. And it can only go bad. And you're forcing me. See, like God said, I will judge your sin. I have no sympathy for you because I love you. I don't want you to go there. It'll cost you dearly. And maybe in a way I can't help you. And that's God's plea. In, in, in verse 2, he says, he says, for if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and that means since, every transgression of disobedience received just reward. In other words, sin will be judged. Well, but I'm saved. There are no free passes. I don't care how saved you are. In fact, if you were saved, what would you do that for? So we not only need to listen to God with the intent of obeying, that's the next one, obey. Well, we then get into a situation where there's no escape. That's verse 3. If you don't listen, if you don't obey, there's no escape. You know, you can run from God, okay? But he's running after you because he loves you. Remember, when you have something invested in somebody, crossly, you know, how many of you love your kids? Yeah, that was a stupid question, right? We love them enough to pamper them. We love them enough to want them to be our friends at the expense of our being parents. Listen, I never sided with my kids. I always took the opposite side. I took God's side. And if they did wrong, I did it. I judged them for it lovingly. And I said, you don't realize what you're doing to yourself. And that's God. If he don't judge sin, then read it in Hebrews. He says, then you are like having no father. So God's not going to give you an open field. He's got a leash on you. He'll let you go so far, and then he, he's going to come after you. I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I lived in South Philadelphia, and I used to torment my mother. And when I went too far, she, she'd come out after me. And I opened the door, jumped, jumped right into the street. We lived in a, a row home. And she turned around and chased me, but I could always outrun her. 
But the problem was I had to come home when dad was home. So that wasn't too smart. But God is not going to let you go. He gave his son for you. And that was the, the ultimate price. So he's going to hold you to what he says. And he should. Amen? Amen. So how should we escape? How should we escape? Pay proper attention. Listen to God. Obey God. And you'll be in good standing with God. When I was a good boy and I obeyed my mom and all that, went home, I was glad to see my father come home. Run up, give him a hug. Dad, you know, I missed you. You were, going to, you were working all day. But when I did something wrong, whoa, he'd call down the street, Anthony. I said, oh, boy. I make believe I didn't hear him. And after the two Anthonys, he'd come walking down the street, and I knew I better go or he's going to drag me to the house, and then he's going to put a whooping on me. And you say, well, that's terrible. No, 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 I never did it again. And I could thank my father that I didn't get in trouble and do drugs and I wasn't a drunk or anything because I was just afraid what he would do to me. God loves us more than we love our kids. And when he speaks, we should listen. And when he says, obey me, our will should not interfere with his. Because I don't know, I didn't get saved until I was 23. And I had enough trouble by my decisions that I want to talk about. But when I got saved, I had to grow in the Lord. Still got in some trouble. But I learned that God's way is the best way. God's word is the only word you should believe. See, if you leave here not changed by truth, then you will be changed by a lie. Who's the father of the lie? So when you leave church the same way you came, you're vulnerable. You could lose your moorings. And the result is not good. So disobedience to the word of God, non-compliance, preoccupation with self rather than God, sins of commission, omission, they all take its toll. And when we get dull of hearing, read Hebrews chapter 5, okay, we get in deeper trouble. And you know what? There's some sins we commit that can't be fixed. You say it all could be fixed. Well, you get a, you get a girl pregnant and you're not married. How are you going to fix that? Oh, we have an abortion. That's taking a child's life. The wrongdoing created a life, and now people want to get rid of their sin or their wrongdoing. And, oh, my gosh, did you ever think people would kill their babies? But away from God, everything's possible. I mean, people are, it's just brutal sometimes. So 
what we need to do is understand that we will reap what we sow. Galatians 6, 7. Whatsoever a man soweth, that he will reap. And if you sow bad oats, you're going to get bad oats. You sow good oats, you're going to get good oats. So if you sow evil, corruption, you're going to get the consequences of that. But if you serve God's interest, peaceable, love, joy, temperance, long-suffering, you're going to get good. That gives good results, amen? So, in closing, we ought to listen and give the more earnest heed to things. That's the first verse. And we should not slip. In other words, if I was to interpret this, okay, and this is the Tony Raffa translation, okay? Do what you're told or you're going to slip and get in trouble. Listen to what I'm speaking. Listen. And do what I tell you to do. I used that line in, in school. I told the students, I said, if you don't listen to me, you won't learn, and then you're going to go home, and your mom and dad's going to blame me that I'm not a good teacher. I said, I know what I'm talking about. You don't. So if you listen to people across from you, okay, they have nothing to offer you, and you sacrifice what I could teach you, and you leave here untaught, and you made no progress. It worked pretty good once they got to know me. So obey. Sin will be judged. Recognize it. In Hebrews 10, 30 and 31, the Lord will judge his people. The Lord will judge his people. For we know that one who said, I will take revenge, God. I will pay them back. And the next verse says, the Lord will judge his own people. It's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God and be judged. Did you ever read through the Old Testament? You see all the death and destruction? You know, when they went into the promised land, they were told, God says, if you obey me in the land, I'll bless you beyond description. If you don't, Tony Raff interpretation, okay, I'll curse you like you'd never been cursed before. And that's close to what it says. He said, I'll put curses on you that be unbearable. Look it up. Read through Deuteronomy. It's in there two times, maybe three. And what God's saying is, don't mess with me. I used to get little wise guys in class, and they'd mess with me, and I, I said, come here. I said, don't mess with me. What do you mean? I said, you got a bad attitude. And, and then I would, a little drama here. And I said, change the attitude, bud, because mine's bigger and badder than yours, okay? So let's not get there. 
little drama there. And they didn't want to mess with me. And they learned. And you couldn't tell you how many afterwards said, Mr. R, thank you. I know how to do math now because of you. I said, good. Listen, obey, and you'll learn. Gee whiz, that could be the message of Hebrews chapter 2. My friends, when God speaks, listen with the intent. That's called a teachable spirit and a servant's heart. No, you do what God says. Obey God's way or the highway. No, it's not going to work. And you will escape the judgment of God that won't be too pleasant. Now, he'll still love you. He loved Israel. They went in the captivity. Uh, many of them, the sons of Korah. What happened to them? You know, God made a promise that two million plus people would make it to the promised land. You know how many made it? Did God keep his promise? Yeah. Did the people obey God? No. It cost them their lives. And God took no pleasure at that. But they forced his hand. And if he didn't judge him, he wouldn't be God. Amen? So I want to encourage you. You know, settle the matter today. You may be out of sorts with God. You may not. You may be in step with him. You know, Amos 3.3 3 says, How could two walk together except they agree? Remember this. If you walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh, try to walk with your husband, wife, or a friend. Somebody leads. No two people walk the same speed unless they try, they try it. And what the Amos message to the Jews was this. Follow God. God is not going to follow you. You follow him. How could two walk together except they be agreed? And he was calling the nation back. Come back and walk with your God so you won't feel the judgment or the curse of what sin wrought. Death, destruction, and judgment. Bondage and captivity. So make a commitment and say, Lord, when I come to church, I'm going to take notes. And I'm going to look at it again and again. I'm not going to just put it there and, and put it aside. I want to know it. That preacher studied. He's sharing with me God's truth. I want it to make a difference in my life. Listen to do it. Obey, and you won't have to worry about escaping the judgment. You'll be in good standing with God.